and welcome to Sunny 16 Podcast, episode number 213. We're back to our usual Monday evening recording spot this week um, because uh, clearly mornings are no good for me. Oh boy, that was... I cannot be trusted in the mornings. Anything before 10 o'clock and you are rolling the dice on whether you'll get away alive with that. Um, Joining me on the show this week are two of my most favouritest people. It is the lovely Claire Marie Bailey. Claire, how are you? I'm very well. Thank you, Graham. Lovely to be here as usual. And the delicious John Whitmore. John, how are you? (laughs) Delicious. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What have you been smoking? (laughs) Good evening. Uh, oh, good morning, whatever it is. <laughs> uh, no Rach this week. She's not feeling too great this evening, so having a well-deserved break this evening. Um, but hopefully you'll be able to see Rach's work very soon, as we mentioned in last week's show, in the um, upcoming Silver Grain magazine. So that should be fantastic. Silver Grain Classic, that's right, it's Silver Grain Classic magazine. Um, her article coming up very soon, some lovely pictures as well. So if you need your Rachel fix, that's where you can go. Uh, we thought we would just have a bit of a general catch-up about what we've all been up to this week, because partly because we're all pretty busy getting stuff organised for the grand launch. <laughs> it sounds overbilling it massively, I'm sure. Our grand launch of the Sunny 16 Presents feed, so we're putting quite a lot of time and energy, um, some more than others, admittedly, and me less than most, <laughs> um, into getting prepared for that. So, yeah, really excited about that. We might to briefly talk about how that's going again in a bit. But we've all been doing some stuff this week as well. So let's start with Claire. What have you been up to this week? Um, well, I've been—I <laughs> have actually been um, working on um, the on-film Sunny uh, uh, Sixteen Presents uh, show, um, and doing a lot of planning and preparing for that, and for our first guest. So that's going to be really exciting. Um, and then I've actually. Um, I went for a walk um, locally um, and again haven't been for a while because of the lockdown so to Newborough I don't know if either of you have been there it's a beautiful uh, forest and then it comes out onto a beach and it's got Llandwin Island I don't know if you know Llandwin Um, um, so I I went there and um, it was lovely and it was really peaceful. So I had a lovely walk on my own and um, it was just nice out. It was just nice being out in the nature and it was quite a nice day. But I was also um, looking for sets as well um, because I'm working on a new body of work and it's called um, Keith Carradine War White, is the, the series. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, Do you want to so, explain to us, because you did explain to John and I uh, why yeah. what was the genesis of the series, and um, do you want to try, try and explain it to our listeners? Yeah. And just before you do, content warning for our listeners, don't worry, you're not going insane as you listen to this. This <laughs> is just how it sounds. Okay, this is true. Um, one evening, it was a Saturday evening, and I watched um, Robert Altman's Nashville, um, which is a great film. I'm sure some listeners have watched it. Um, And if you haven't, I'd really recommend it. It's a 1975 film. And um, in and it's about country singers all kind of trying to make it in Nashville. And it's but it's a bit more than that as well. Um, Anyway, in that film is um, Keith Carradine. He's a character called Tom, I think his name was, who plays um, a singer songwriter. Um, Anyway, that night, and this is true, um, I had a dream, I had a dream that David Carradine um, came into my bedroom and was sat at the end of my bed and he was all dressed in white and um, 
he 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 had this lovely like white almost like 70s suit on and he was right at the end of my bed and when I woke up I thought oh that's it um I'm going to make a series of work and I'm going to call it Keith Carradine wore white and I got into into a muddle actually because it was actually David Carradine that inspired the the photos the, the the body of work I'm doing now and the, and the dream but I got into a muddle and had in my head it was Keith Carradine because I'd just seen Nashville the night before but I've decided to stick with Keith Carradine wore white so that's the kind of that's where my body of work is being inspired from and so that's what I'm obviously working on at the moment uh, this is what happens listeners when you put fruit juice on your cereals don't do drugs kids <laughs> Yeah, no milk, orange juice, apple juice sometimes as well for a change. <laughs> Can we just clarify, when you say cereals, what sort of cereals yeah. are we talking here? Well, my favourite cereal is bran flakes. So I like bran flakes oh. and orange juice. And I like um, muesli with like berries on. But for a change, I'll have apple juice as well. But yeah, I is can't... fresh not... orange juice? Or yeah. do, you like, do you leave it to ferment for a while? Before <laughs> oh, no, 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 it's fresh orange juice. But, uh, well, I don't know what's the difference. I don't actually, um, I don't know, John, I don't freshly press it, if that's what you mean. Um, <laughs> so it, it, it's fresh within, I don't know, depends what your perimeters of, of fresh are. But, yeah, I just can't drink milk, you know. Um, so if you ever need to, you know, you wouldn't need to torture me. You just have to put, um, you'd, all you'd have to do is put a glass of milk in front of me and say, you have to drink that. And I would, that would just be it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> well, good to know for everybody out there who ever wants yeah. to apply. Anybody's planning on torturing Claire? Job done. Um, <laughs> no. I've written that down in my notebook. Of, uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 um, that sounds great. So, what? I mean, well, actually, I'm not going to ask you to describe the work. So, were you actually out shooting, or was it more an exploration to try and find a, a sets? Yeah, because I spend a lot. Of, I do spend a lot of time internally, I suppose, in my head and stuff, and I and I like the ideas to come in. So, I, I combined a walk, and and I don't know, something just came in my head that I wanted to go to to Newburgh and to Shandwin, and I wanted to sort of just, you know, part be out in nature and and have a walk, but um, part you because I've used there before for sets. Um, I did a I did a little body of work and it was called Never Talk to Strangers and some of it's on my Instagram and that was inspired by some hammer and I'm in like a pink dress holding a candle and that's in some of the foresty stroke dunes of of, of New Warren. Um so it's nice there. It's um it's just past, you know, through one of my favourite places is Aberfrau, if you know it, and then you go through Machtreith and then, you know, you come to Clan, you know, Newbury and Clanwin. So it was part part walk and part kind of um advanced looking for for sets um, for the next yeah series of images that will go with that series um you know what i've I've just looked up on a map newborough warren and i have been there i I Uh was hoping that somebody would be following this along on a map (laughs) as i gave us a guided tour of anglesey (laughs) yeah it's nice and you can see the clean peninsula as well from 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 the beach so yeah Um, you can see snowden from there as well can't you yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can. Yeah, it's lovely there. I remember hiring a bike, and <laughs> did we hire a bike? No, we took our bikes over and camped just north of it and cycled down there. Yeah, it's, it's stunning there, isn't it? Absolutely stunning. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
So, um, <laughs> oh, there we go. I, I hope listeners are hanging on for grim, grim death <laughs> to this podcast this evening because it seems to be going all over the place. Um, I wanted to say, Claire, about what you were saying yeah. about going to places to sort of kind of suss out sets and stuff because yeah. I, I think there's when you're out and about, um, you can go to places and there's something about the atmosphere or the vibe there that can really speak to you. And it's one of the big problems that I have with where I live is that nowhere does <laughs> round here really. it's because there's kind of there's nothing uh, and i don't want to sound ungrateful for where i live but it's flat and boring um mm-hmm. this this and the few places so there's a couple of woods that are not too far away but mm-hmm. at the moment on any half decent day anywhere like that that you can go to is just so busy because everyone's out everyone's you know yeah. everywhere's super busy yeah. but other than that there's just kind of nowhere that's flat as a pancake like i said you've got the thames which is great but where i am it's just flat mm. and trickling along mm. and um you know we've got a water meadow i mean that's not really anything mm. so um i do struggle with that i think it's yeah, it's it's interesting you say that because I've I've often thought well there's two things there um, like you say it's busy so sometimes there are places you do have to get up if you want to go really early if you don't want people in your or people around or cars or anything in your images mm. but I've often thought to myself um, quite often if, if that could be a challenge actually to say um, everybody take, um, you know, like a, 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 a series of images, say, in, in your street or, or somewhere you wouldn't think you could do some pictures. Because I've often thought, I bet you, if you put a lot, I don't know, you could, if you, is- there's always somewhere I think you could really isolate in and create some sort of a set. Maybe <sighs> that's a challenge for you, Graham. You know what? I had this conversation with our good friend NASA, or my good friend NASA, about this, and um, NASA Hamid, and I was always saying, oh, it's so boring in Fountain, and he's always saying, no, I bet it's not so bad, I'll come out there, we'll take some pictures, it'll be great, and he came out, we wandered around for about an hour, and he's like, you're right, this place is just no good for taking pictures, so I, I feel vindicated, also, we got yelled at, uh, it, well, I can't remember what episode of the podcast, listeners could tune into that one, but yeah, oh. it was, uh, it is, it's fine, it's, it's a fine village, it's kind of picture in a completely non-picture worthy sort of a way um, but that's by the by um, just going back very quickly to uh, what you said you're doing about the preparation film I want to remind listeners um, that the the first film that we're going to be talking about um, or you're going to be talking about and I'm going to be sharking mm-hmm. to join you is um, a Blow Up uh, which is available to um, rent on certainly on Amazon and on YouTube. I watched it over the weekend and I think it's a film that um, would be it's different. I'm not going to say everybody's like it, would like it, but for a photographer, there's definitely stuff there for you. It's it's got a really good representation of people of, of photography at work in there in a way that you do not see in yeah. I think any other film. Um, uh, Jeff Greenstein, who we're chatting to, also assured me that it has an orgy. <laughs> Jeff Greenstein lied to me, <laughs> um, but there you go. Although apparently. And I learned this from talking to Matthew Joseph because Matthew knows all the important facts. Um, it, <laughs> as one website uh, put it, um, Jane Birkin, who is one of the actors in the film, mm-hmm. uh, a very brief appearance of Jane's Birkin did lead to the film getting an X rating in America. So, <laughs> having yeah, pause well, button. <laughs> I read that um, Antonioni um, he got a contract with Carlo Ponti, Carlo Ponti. <laughs> 
um, a producer to make um, three films outside of Italy. Um, and Blow Up was the first one. So that was in London. And then he did um, one of my favourite films as well, so Brisky Point, which was in California. So that's in, in Jeff's um, home. Um, and then he did um, The Passenger, which was in, I think, Algeria and um, one of my other favourite places, parts of southern Spain. Um, anyway, what I thought was quite interesting was um, he apparently on Blow Up, um, because he felt his English wasn't good enough, he, um, he gave all his directions in French, which were translated on the set. And that scene with Jane Birkin, apparently... Another attraction, um, I suppose, because of what was happening at the time, uh, the, the point of history, what was it, 966? So I suppose what was all the changes that were happening at that time? Um, and London was apparently quite, you know, a happening place to be. And um, it was saying that um, he had a more freedom filming over in London than he would have in Italy. And he wouldn't have been able, the censors wouldn't have allowed that scene in, 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 in Italy so he 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 was allowed that scene in in, in London. I don't know, just a bit of incidental. There you go to, to watch the <laughs> film to figure out what we're actually talking about. But it's a, it's a good yeah. film. It's I think it's a film that is a good watch for any photographer. Yeah. Um, there's a lot for it. Um, so that would be great. We're going we're actually going to be recording that chat tomorrow, aren't we, Claire. So yeah, um, yeah. Looking forward to that because that left me with a lot of thoughts to talk about. <laughs> and talking to you this evening, I mean, we could have probably spent the last four hours, the three of us, chatting about that film. <laughs> uh, but we're not going uh -huh. to. Um. John, what? Who Hi. have you been dreaming about, and then misremembering and creating a body of work about? Uh, well, uh, I don't think I've. I don't remember. I haven't remembered a dream in ages. Actually, it's really disappointing. I hate mm. that when you wake up, like you wake up and you remember the dream immediately, yeah. and then it just goes. Oh, and you're yeah. just like, oh, it's really frustrating. Uh, so yeah, no dreams to inspire me at the moment, but I have been spending the day in the dark room today doing some printing, which. Has been fantastic. Mm. Um, I'm working on a print. It's a reflection of some trees in water, like with gentle ripples over it. So the trees are kind of upside down, black and white, obviously. Um, and I've tried it on RC paper and fiber paper, but the kind of texture of it and the feeling of it wasn't really coming through. So mm -hmm. I've moved on to MG art paper now, and I'm I've been burning money today. Basically, just oh. experimenting with that. Oh. How's it going? Yes. Sorry, this is it. Because when we last spoke about it, you were a bit on the fence about the art paper. Was I? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. So I'd done previously. I'd done two prints on it. And one I hated, um, and one I really liked. But this one, I'm absolutely loving on the art paper. Now that I've got the contrast right and mm -hmm. getting the blacks in and everything, I'm really pleased with it. <laughs> And I'm also painting the developer on as well, like just to really enhance that kind of textural feel and handmade feel of it. Mm. Um, can you giving can... it like I'm doing a black border on it as well, so I'm putting a mask on, then exposing around the edge, so I can get a nice black line around the edge that I'm painting. Can you talk about this concept of painting on the developer? Mm -hmm. Because it sounds fantastic, but also I wouldn't know where to start. I mean, well, I mean, I would know where to start with a brush and the developer and painting it on, but <laughs> I, I, could you talk a bit about how you're going about it and what it means in terms of actually getting the print you want? So I've, I've done a couple of experiments with it. One with straight using um, developer, um, just mixed up with water and kind of, but it, that creates very kind of splashes. You don't get brush strokes as much with it. 
Um, and then I moved on to mixing it with xanthan gum, uh, which is used for thickening jams and sauces and mm -hmm. stuff. And that enables you to actually kind of create brush strokes, um, which is really a really nice effect. Um, but I'm not actually like, so you can just like paint it on and let it develop. But you have to keep kind of brushing it because the I think the developer kind of gets exhausted in, exhausted in one spot. So you have to kind of keep coating it. Mm. Um, but it just enables you kind of fine control and like it, like because you're literally like within the edge of a, a picture because you're painting it on, then every image is like really unique. It's very frustrating because if you kind of make a bit of a mistake because you're doing it all blind, aren't you? You can't actually see anything appearing when you paint it on. You have to wait for that image to kind of develop a bit. Um, but it does mean that everything you're doing is completely unique because it's as if you've painted a brushstroke on. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great effect, but it is, it is quite frustrating because if you make one mistake or you do something that doesn't quite work, it's totally ruined. And you just have to do the whole process again. Yeah. So what kind of, when you say make one mistake, what kind of things are you talking about mistake-wise vis-a-vis cocking up? Uh, well, it's more like it doesn't visually, it doesn't work. So like the, the prints I was doing first, I was brushing the edges and I was creating brush strokes off the side. Like it's a landscape image and the brush strokes on the sides, I was kind of brushing outwards and if you kind of brush too far with one and it kind of sticks out and it it doesn't look very aesthetically mm -hmm. pleasing, doesn't kind of mm -hmm. work with the composition, then that's it, isn't it? You know, you've got to do it all again. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah. Thank I goodness you're using such a cheap paper. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, um, so you're having to repeatedly go over the whole thing because, as you said, the when you're developing a print, the developer that's on there will get exhausted, which is why you agitate and shift it about. So it's being put in context so that it develops evenly in the highlights and the shadows. So you're constantly brushing the image over. So I'm guessing you only really see the evidence of the brush strokes at the edges. Is that right? Uh, the way, well, the way I've done it with this final print, yes. Cause what I do is I kind of, draw around the edge or find where the edge of the print is and then let that kind of develop so I can see the frame of it. And it doesn't matter if that overdevelops because it's black. Mm -hmm. And then I'll paint in the center to completion. Now you can kind of roughly paint in the center and not let it go to completion. And you end up with kind of brush strokes mm -hmm. and it, it depends like if you haven't, so I've been using, um stock developer so one plus zero multi-grade developer so it develops really quickly whereas if you use diluted developer then you have to use more and you'll get more evident brush strokes if that makes sense mm. no not really because i thought if you were using <laughs> i thought i thought if you were using more brush, having to brush it more frequently you'd actually lose you fewer brush strokes because you're kind of going over and over um don't know why it's like that maybe it's because i'm a londoner no maybe it was... <laughs> that's what i was gonna say oh no maybe it's because no it's I, I don't know then maybe it's because when you brush over like my technique is i'll brush and then i'll leave it for like 20 30 seconds so i can see the image coming through right and then if it doesn't look dense enough i'll paint over it a bit more um 
but maybe it just doesn't it still doesn't completely cover it so you see sure. the texture of the brush strokes okay uh, that sounds very cool very cool uh, i suppose it... i think it sounds like the magic of 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 what is lovely about being in a dark room isn't it and what you're saying about the uniqueness and i, and I saw on your um I think it was your Twitter feed. You'd been doing some Splash Developer as well, hadn't you? Splash on Developer. Yeah. Which is, yeah, so that... yeah I've done that and I like that tech. Have you ever done that, Graham? No, um, I haven't. And that's a very stupid question because it sounds like a fairly self-explanatory yeah. name. But could you just explain what, what you're doing when you are doing Splash um, on Development? Well, when I did it, um, basically, again, with a paintbrush, um, you take your print uh, to the developer and rather than just put the whole thing in, you kind of splash it on with the paintbrush and, and like you can see parts coming through but I, I, it, it, for me it was um, a technique you, I thought it gave lovely textures to your image and um, a couple of the prints that I did with that technique I don't know about if, if you've had this experience John for me they almost they could almost look some of them uh, a couple of them sorry not that many looked like they could be double exposures depending yeah. how you do it. But yeah. I suppose it's but picking up on what John's pointing, I think um, you couldn't probably make two exactly the same <laughs> with that technique. No, um, yeah, and that's why I really enjoy it. So yeah. a lot of the prints I'm doing at the moment, I don't, I don't feel like the end product is something that's particularly handmade. It feels like it's almost, uh, I don't know, like manufactured. Yeah. So, you aim for kind of perfection with your like contrast and your exposure and everything like yeah. that. You put it in the tray and you, the technique's perfect, so it's like spread over and all that, and it's it loses a handmade element to mm. it, I think. Mm. So I kind of want to represent that more with what I'm doing. And yeah, those those that splashes really does that. Yeah, I think um, it does. And then you can bleach it, John, and then do some hand colouring as well to really yeah, make it. I'm not going to do that, <laughs> am I? <laughs> <laughs> Do you do much in the way of sort of inking and stuff like that, John? No. I'm very fine dodging and burning and stuff like that. Mm. Um, I'd, like well, today I was using my thumb. Is that fine enough? And you've got a big thumb. <laughs> yeah. I've got quite a big thumb, and a, a bit of card that's a bit smaller, just to dodge out very small areas between the branches on these trees. Mm. Yeah, I know. For me, sort of, when I think about the real, I mean, and this certainly is not the only one, but I remember when I went to see the Tim Rudman exhibition, um, there was a video running there of him showing how he was producing a print, and you know that's the, that really was such an in-depth thing of going there and marking mm -hmm. out things and you know as you said really crafting an image. Um, it's, it's a different way of it being um, handcrafted, I suppose. Um, using the brush is going to give you a different feel to it isn't it it's going to give it more of a handmade feel certainly in a kind of a rustic yeah. charm sort of way oh yeah it's, it's, <laughs> does that sound dismissive it wasn't point. meant to no it's it like it's, it's a complete cliche it's like printing sprocket holes isn't it on your film it's like it just it's it's very obviously oh this is shot on film but it, it works yeah yeah know? yeah, yeah. do you make any of your own tools for 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 dodging um yeah well i just use card just cut out this yeah, card and yeah. stick them on wire yeah i used to make <clears throat> i used to use little make little hair hair um big hair grips um i used to put on little um so i used to make cut out little paper circles and stuff like that so you could like dodge it dodge in like little suns or moons or stuff like that and i did rainbows <laughs> and stuff 
it's good to play around with things like that as well you know making yeah. your own little tools it's fun i'm gonna make a like rainbow that. tomorrow you're gonna make a what john a rainbow a rainbow yeah honestly i i did <laughs> and then you can hand then you can do some hand coloring <laughs> and then you can do some hand coloring listen john by the end of this year one you'll have done hand coloring and two you'll have watched a lot of colombo um <laughs> oh, yeah uh, so you spent the day working on one print is that fairly usual for you to go okay i'm gonna because i feel like when i get in the dark room i always feel like oh if i've got all this set up i ought to be trying to get at least a few prints done uh, but is am i doing it wrong and i'm prepared to accept the yes is the answer <laughs> you're all you do everything wrong right? i know um <laughs> uh it depends on what i'm working on like this definitely because i'm so obsessed with this image now and kind of yeah getting exactly how i want it i'm just not happy until I, i've reached that point and mm. amazingly half an hour before this we started this call i, I got to that point so I, I can sleep well tonight but mm. like some prints it'll just be a case of yeah i'm i'm happy with that it, it depends what i'm doing with it if it's a print that's going to go on our wall and it's just like i don't know family or something like that then I probably won't spend very long on it. Um, and it also depends on what the source image is as well. Sometimes you can expect, do, your, do, do a test strip, do your first print, and you're more than happy with it um, if it's just a straight print. So, yeah, it, it depends what the, the purpose is, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. Over the weekend, I did finally get around to... Um, I bought some new filters for my printer. God, back in January, I think it was. And I finally got around to cutting those to size um, because they are too big for my filter tray. My filter tray is pretty diddy. And so, um, so I finally... So I can actually do... <laughs> because I think... Well, it must have been when I got them probably in January or February. When I got them, I was like, oh, great. Threw out my old ones. Went, I'll get these cut and done. And then I haven't got around to it. So I haven't been able to do any printing. That was one of the reasons I haven't done any mm. printing. But they're done now. Um, so that's You've got good. like an above the lens filter tray, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And the old ones, for one thing, they were only in full stops. Well, not stops, are they? Because it's not. But they're only in. Whereas these new ones, I got an Ilford set and they actually like. You know, one, one and a half, two. So it gives a little bit Arc. more control. But yeah. also, the ones that I had were old and just very scuffed and what have you. So I'm sure they were not letting light through in quite the way that they should have been. So um, I think you're supposed to replace them, aren't you, after a certain amount of time? Because I think they kind of get they get worn out. Do they? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I think these have got a bit fungusy on there and not terrible, but <laughs> just not great. <laughs> just generally <laughs> not awesome so uh, i'm sure that my images are going to be far far better now i'm sure that all of the failings of my printing before were down to these poor color filters and nothing else um <laughs> so have you have you shared a picture of this i suppose probably not as you say will we be able to see a picture of this print anywhere john uh yes i'm gonna yeah i'll put it online next week yeah, at some good. point how yeah. do you how do you deal with uh, digitizing prints like that to get the best of it? <laughs> I'm I'm almost there at <clears throat> being able to photograph my prints. I think I mentioned this previously. I was really struggling with it, um, but now I think I've finally managed to get a setup with a couple of um, flashes and my digital camera to actually capture these things. I haven't actually shot MG art before, um, so I'll have to see how that turns out. But that's got quite a a unique texture and kind of they describe it as an eggshell sheen mm. to the surface. So whether that comes across, it probably won't, will it? 
No, it probably it won't, certainly won't come across as well as it does on the print. No, no, but that's that's a big problem with these sort of prints anyway, isn't it? You need to hold them in your hands and, and see them with your own eyes, I think, to appreciate them. What's this print destined for? Um, probably my cupboard. <laughs> uh, how many? How, how much paper have you like to, to get to the point where you've got now a print that you're happy with? How many sheets of paper have you gone through to get to that point today? Um, two, four, six, eight, ten. Ten eight by tens. Ten eight by tens. <laughs> um, I, I'm trying to remember. I think. Hang on. I can probably let's. Shall we just quick research? Uh, Alfred Arp. <laughs> actually, I won't do because that seems mean. <laughs> it's quite expensive again because I bought some. Like, I think I've probably got two or three that are keepers out of that lot. One that I'm really happy with, um, and then a couple of others which I'm I'm also really happy with. But if I were to exhibit one of them or like they'll, they'll all be for sale ultimately um but there's one that's really standing out for me at the moment so i'll probably either hold on to that for i'll probably i'm going to do a series of these i've got a few mm. of the shots that i want to do and i'm going to print them all in the same style so they'll all work together and you know just wait and see if there's a relevant exhibition for them or anything like that um do you think now that you've got a bit more experience under your belt with the art paper that you're going to be able to get to the point you want to faster with it um maybe <laughs> if you decide maybe. not to paint it <laughs> yeah well yeah it depends what technique you're using doesn't it like this maybe maybe if i was to do this technique again i'd get to this point quicker as well because i've tried three different brush types as well so i had to experiment with those um whereas now i know what they what results they give so yeah if i was to do it again i'd be like ah i need to use this sort of brush for it so yeah i think uh I think next time it won't cost me quite so much today. That would be good. That would be because it is a lovely paper. <laughs> um, but yeah, it can get, uh, as with anything, when you're doing quite a lot of it, it's going to get more and more expensive. Um, I'll, I'll just actually clear, because we talked about stuff you're doing, one of the things that we were chatting about before we started um, that you shared this week is one of your little films, because um, you've got a series yeah. of a sort of mini films. Uh, we were talking about the fact that you've got the 24-hour psychic desert hotline um, that you shared on Instagram, <laughs> I think, in the last week, I think. Um, yeah. What, what, just for listeners who maybe haven't checked them out before, tell us a quick bit about these little films that you've made. Um, okay, so I think the one on the one I put on the Twitter is I think a one minute version, or it might be longer, but the full version if you want to have a look on, on the website. Um, I had an idea um, because you know I always I shoot shoot my photography is always my characters, so it's like my um, my other self, my doppelganger, or my double, and I just had an idea that. Um, for uh, that I would want to bring my characters to life, and especially for um, my exhibition. And I thought it'd be really nice to have some short films with the characters that you will see around the the gallery space on still image, but on you know moving image. So I shoot them all. They're all shot on um, Super Eight, and the twenty four hour psychic desert hotline. Um, I, I think it's about hope, really, and and that was actually influenced by. Actually, that was part influenced by an Antonioni film. That was, believe it or not, you'd never maybe think it, but it was um, a combination of um, Sabrisky Point, uh, Pink Floyd's Wish You Were Here, and just my love of like deserts and stuff. And, and 
um, the supernatural otherness. So there's a lot of tarot's there. Um, so I don't know. It just all all came to me. So so that's the film I, I shared. Um, on Twitter and there's a whole series of um, still images that I've done on Polaroid to accompany that and I've done an, and then I've done a, f- a few others I think one of my most recent ones was it's called, I called it Farouk Stream and I made that when I was in Spain because um, I love southern I love Spain and I love southern Spain um, and, I, and I go there a, a lot um, and um, I actually last year went from the Almeria region and I went to uh, more inland rural to Andujar, which is very rural. I don't know if either of you have been there. Have you been to Andujar? No. Um, I went with a friend and we, we tried to see lynxes. Um, <laughs> so we spent a lot of time uh, trying to look out for lynxes, but we didn't see one at all. But anyway, I stayed in this rural, um, like rural, um, oh, it was lovely. It was like a rural retreat house, and there was only us there and, and, and the family that run it. And they had this a lovely dog. Now, I know, John, you don't like dogs, and I'm a big dog lover. And <laughs> oh, uh, it was their guard dog, and he was called Farouk, and he was this big Great Dane, but he was the soppiest, sweetest um, dog you, you could ever meet. And I thought, I don't know what sort of guard dog he'd actually be. He'd probably be the one that if you if you came to break in or something, he'd just lick you to death. And he was just lovely. And uh, so I decided to call that film after after Fruk and, and I filmed some of it on, on their kind of um, land. Um, yeah, so, um, and I shot some images there as well. So yeah, the, the idea behind my films is always to um, bring my characters really t- to life to accompany my still images. What are you actually yeah. shooting them on or using rather? Oh, I'm just using a uh, Super 8 Minolta T. Oh, I can't think of the top of my head what the camera is. Um, it's, it's, a, it's not a, it's not an expensive camera. Um, it's got a self-timer facility on it as well. Okay, because that was going to be my yeah. question. Because uh, you've got, mm-hmm. what, three and a half minutes of film time? Yeah, yeah. I usually, usually will, again, it's the same. I take the same approach with my, um, what I do with my photographs. So, by the time I actually go to, um, usually by the time I've come to go out and make a Super 8 film, I've already given it, you know, lots and lots of thoughts and I've storyboarded it out and I know my locations and I know my outfits. And, you know, there's always an element of, um, of, of you know, something else might happen or, you know, you, you know, like I've said before, sometimes you might turn up where you think oh, I want to shoot here and then, maybe it's sectioned off or there's people there and you have to kind of think on your feet but usually I've given it a lot of thought so um yes and it's got that facility on on the camera and then I use um yeah super 8 film different film stocks uh Kodak Kodak 200 I got some for night I got some 500s uh thing for a night I've got an idea for a night one I've got an idea to shoot on on Anglesey on an Ismorn um I, I want to call it three three o'clock in the afternoon I've got this kind of idea in my head um which afternoon going into the evening sorry John I was, I was just going to say when you so you send that off to get developed and yeah I do scan it and send you yes what, like, so I, will, yeah, I don't develop it myself I did go on a I did go on a workshop or um I went to Birmingham um and he showed how to develop it but I don't I so I purchase and I always when I buy it I buy um process uh film and process mm-hmm. um um and so I'll get it back and I, I get the the high uh the high res file back so and then I'll edit it myself 
Okay. Yeah, so I edit them myself. Who is it you uh, use for that, Claire? Is it Gage? Oh, he's lovely. I'm trying to think. Kevin. Mm-hmm. The other, yeah, he's he he yeah he he's um he's great. He runs the whole business. You can buy film of him, and he'll process your film, scan them if you you know scan them, do the whole thing. He'll edit them if you want him to. Um, yeah, it's based in um, around the Birmingham area. Yeah. So, Film. Yeah, I've spoken to a few people who have been on his course. So we we have tried <laughs> tried to get going on, but I think he's been super busy both at work. I think he might be moving house as well. There's been a I lot going on. I think that's right. Yeah, I think he 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 moved house, um, and then I think I think he had a he had a child as well with his his wife. So oh, that he's would been, do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd really recommend to anyone. His workshops are great. Yeah. Yeah. Do um, when you're doing this because it's. it's not a cheap thing to do is it i mean i, I, no. I, I roughly i'm guessing it's around what 70 pounds to yeah do one of these a sort film of cartridge yeah yeah <laughs> three um, minutes yeah and, and that's including the cost of development is that right yes or, off the yeah. Top of my head. yeah it is and then you'll have to pay um obviously you pay postage i always opt to always um pay what you call it the guaranteed track and yeah. you know try but yeah so it's not cheap it isn't cheap and um if you're lucky i mean one of the things i like is if you i think if you storyboard it and plan it i try to do as much editing i can in the camera yeah if you know what mm-hmm. i mean so and and there are films that i've done and i've thought they've just needed a few tweaks i've been quite happy with them because i've i've basically edited edited it in the camera as i've gone along um and and it's like anything it's for a 3 minute for a 3 minute um one cartridge of three minutes can take you, you know, hours of <laughs> hours of work to to think about, and, and if you're moving you, location, but um, yeah. And did you shoot it by yourself? I do. Or yeah. I, well, not time. always. No. Sometimes I will have uh, have a friend help me. But like I say, I have got a, a self timer facility as well, which is great. It gives you five to ten seconds so that you can you can set it up on on on, on your tripod you can have a look you can ang- you know set you know set where yeah. you're going to be and, and angle it and then you can press it and it gives you 10 seconds you can run then and, and and then you can just come back and um you can do it that way so i did i did one that i haven't put online um and you know i did it on my own in hollyhead mountain <laughs> um so so that's the that's the beauty of it but usually i would say to be on sometimes i'll always have maybe at least two maybe three car three film cartridges for one three minute film right. so it's not mm-hmm. cheap, yeah um, to make sure i've got footage because that's gonna, you, although you can set it up to to the self timer to give you a chance to get into position yeah, it won't. St- it won't know when you wanted to stop, so you'll just have to kind of. No, because it, it, it'll. If I had my camera here, it'd run. You could see it. It'll give you so long, and then it'll it'll just stop. So you'll just like walk out of the shot or whatever you're going to do. You just get. It's like you whatever cameras you're using with self time. You know, still cameras. Yeah. You get used to how many seconds, and um, but it's more work, I think. If yeah. It's very cool, though. Very cool. Um, Right, I'll, I'll fill in briefly on what I've been up to this week. <laughs> I've been, uh, I, I would like to say building, but I'd say it's probably arguably more trashing stuff. Um, a while ago, uh, a friend gave me this. He said, oh, my partner's family has got this bag of cameras. Have you got any interest in buying any of them? And I opened this bag up and went, ha <laughs> uh, This was after he'd left them there for me. And went, oh, no, these are these are all very 
very knackered um and said you might want to just give them back to them and and then he's like no those are your problem now um like cool thanks ever so much so there was um uh, Minolta um, rangefinder, nothing mm. terribly fancy. Uh, a Pentax um, half frame, one of the EE half frames, uh, an Instamatic, um, and a Yoshika four by four. The uh, what is it called? Mm. Hang on a second. Uh, the Yoshika. I'm gonna reach and grab it and hope that. I, uh, yeah, the Yoshika forty four. I that was all it was. There you go. Um, all of these cameras, I don't know what this family had been doing to these cameras, but they were all knackered. The shutter was knackered on all of them. There was so much fungus in the lenses and all this stuff. So most of them were like, oh, this is not even worth trying to fiddle around with. Um, but the little baby Yashika, I thought, well, that might be worth something. Um, and I had a bit of a futz around with it to see if I could get that working. Um, but the focusing mechanism on it was kind of not working properly and i think if anything my attempts at basic repair made that problem worse um so instead what i did was i just tore the <laughs> tore the front of it you know the bit with the lenses in i went well i'll just make another camera with this um because it's got everything you need in there it's got the shutter um and the aperture um so I was like, okay so that's been what i've been doing the last couple of days is trying to rehouse this um uh yashika um one two seven um shutter thing from the front of this camera into something else uh, very much inspired because as we mentioned on last week's show um the homemade camera podcast guys are putting together their annual zine and it made me think i haven't made anything for a while mm-hmm. and one of the stumbling blocks i always hit and there are there are a lot of these stumbling blocks but one of them is always well what's the point <laughs> which i think is a good question to ask um because there's not a lot of time in spending a lot of effort making something that doesn't do something that it couldn't do before right kind of um so at least with my plan with this is with this um yashika 44 lens is that i'm hoping that i'm going to be able to use it to get a bigger frame shot so um so i've i had a, a box from an old phone or one of the last few years, which is kind of just about the right size actually in terms of depth. So I cut some holes in the front of that and sort of jammed the lens into that. And it's like, oh, that kind of works. And um, I've cut some holes in the top and I've swiped the, uh, and it's not a long term plan because I'll need it back, but I've swiped the uh, doohickeys to wind on the film from my. Um, undo pinhole because they're just held in place with magnets so I can just pull those straight out okay those can slot straight in and um, I'm kind of getting there with it now I've had to order because the one problem is that there's nothing to hold the film winders in place once they're in um, so I've decided to just take a cue from what undo <laughs> do with their camera and I've ordered some magnets I'm going down the magnet road uh, Steve Lloyd would be so pleased um, <laughs> so I've ordered some magnets to come which I'm hopeful that I'm going to be able to take those in so yeah hopefully what I'm going to end up with is um, a camera that will shoot get a 6x6 neg out of this lens and you know it, it will have un- you actually tested to see if the image circle is big enough from that lens. It's <clears throat> probably it's going to vignette around the edges. It's definitely bigger, definitely bigger than four by four. Whether yeah. it's going to be quite big enough, I think it will be almost big enough for six by six. But almost big enough is fine because, to be honest, part of what I want 
to see is that image degradation towards the edges yeah. if it's going to happen like that's because i've already got plenty of six by six cameras that are going to be perfect it's just to see what it does um it's not going to have although the viewfinder lens is still attached because it's a tlr but it's going to be dead because i'm not going to try and actually put sort of put a ton a funnel in uh, what's the chimney in so i can see the viewfinder because that's way above my pay grade um but the focusing um range was only about three to four millimeters moving backwards and forwards maybe a little bit more than that but it wasn't very much so i uh, i reckon close down the aperture a bit i've got it pretty close i found here's a useful tip for anybody um write down everyone if you want something to act there's a tester piece of um fresnel um, or focusing screen a milk bottle a plastic milk bottle um the, the opaque ones obviously uh they're great they work really well so i just went <laughs> i made sure it was empty first i want to clarify that i didn't just take a knife to a full one in the fridge that even i'm not that dumb um and um, yeah, that worked quite well because I could then just test roughly where the focus was. And I put a bit of foam uh, inside the thing so that the theory is that the, the camera will kind of sit in place around um, 8 to 10 feet worth of focus. But I might be able to push it in a bit more to get further focus and it'll just spring back out. That's the theory. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a good theory. Um, uh, but it's just fun. And like, like everything, I just kind of, I didn't really have any, I didn't have any sort of plan. I just took the lens off, went, okay, now I need to find something to put this in. And then went, well, let's just cut a hole in this and go from there. And it's just one step at a time with no forethought. But I, I am having fun doing it. Um, and I'm hoping, and I think the magnets might turn up tomorrow. So, you know, I might have a functioning, <laughs> I'm doing air quotes <laughs> around that, functioning camera by the weekend. So, you know, wait and see what that's happens. I suppose you could, you could do some, like, test exposures using paper, couldn't you, just to just to make sure it's all working okay before you put a roll in there. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Just stick a bit of paper in the there. Yeah, absolutely can do that. Um, although, to be honest... I probably will go straight to film because the only downside with using paper for a test is um, it might because it's not that light sensitive. It's not going to throw up if there's any light leaks, particularly mm. at least not in the same way that film's going to. So, yeah. um, have either of you guys ever had a go at making something to a camera pinhole? Because I know I... That Jason Avery's doing his um, camera challenge at the moment, and I think that is the challenge this month is to make a pinhole camera. Do you know, I was just listening to you there, Graham, and I was thinking I was quite in awe of you being able to do that. So no, <laughs> You should I, see I, what I, it is, Claire, like, and then not be in time for I was thinking, I wish I could like make my own cameras. And um, when we had Stefan on and he makes his, and I'm thinking, wow, I wouldn't know where to begin if I was honest. I can make my own filters. Um, but um, cameras, no. But um, I'm always intrigued what um, people come up with and, you know, yeah, do you, John? Do you make your own? Have you? Uh, I've done a couple of like pinhole cameras, yeah, like, yeah. boxes and tins and stuff before, but <clears throat> nothing to that extent. Yeah, that's, that's really impressive. That is impressive, Graham. If you saw it, you'd be significantly less impressed. It is just me bodging <laughs> bits together, but you know it's fun. Um, have you have you had to go making a pinhole camera, Claire? Um, oh, many, many about eight years ago. It's, and it's uh, yeah when I was 
Um, when Rachel did her series um, in the lockdown, you know, the lockdown bingo. Yeah. And it made me think, oh, I want to do so, so, uh, make a pinhole again, you know, out of an old coffee tin. I th- think I said jar before, but yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. definitely more difficult with a jar than with a tin. There's definitely some <laughs> yeah. logistical issues with that. You you should. I mean, the, the, a pinhole is absolutely the best best place to start. Um, yeah. Uh, Alex Purcell this week, friend of the show, Alex Purcell, and actually a few others, yeah. Joe Baker was showing his results as well, but he made a, a pinhole camera this week out of an old syrup can, just a Tate and Lyle mm-hmm. syrup can, and mm. all he did was punch a hole in it with a pin, um, spray paint the inside black, stick a piece yeah. of paper in, put the lid on, that's yeah. it, you're done, and, you know, and, a, and a bit, yeah, and a bit of that. electrical tape. Yeah. And the nice thing is that because it's so simple, because all you need is a light, tight, um, I'm going to use the word box, but it doesn't have to be box shaped, a light, tight um, container. It can be, you can muck around with the shape and with curves and stuff like that and get all sorts of different results. Um, and, And also because of the nature of them you can muck around with time a lot as well um yeah yeah justin quinnell I, I, he's done his awful grams i don't know if we've ever seen those where he's using the sort of the beer can pinhole um where you put a hole in the beer can and uh, and then using that um but rather than using them for solography he's using them to take portraits really close up like he'll hold the hold the can like inches from someone's face if that and then use very powerful flashes because it's paper inside in the very small hole and yeah. you get these incredible distorted horrifying portraits but they <laughs> they're great they're really really awesome mm-hmm. um so yeah there's, there's so much you can do just because of the flexibility of being able to use almost anything that you can make light tight as a um camera yeah um, i do love pinhole i think it's a lovely i love the feel of it i love the atmosphere you get from pinhole work as well i think you can get some beautiful pinhole work um i did some i spent a week i did a um a summer school in uh, london once with um a, is he a friend of justin Cornell? um guy patterson um i don't know, know. may well be may um, well be his work's lovely and um, he was a great um, teacher, educator, you know, really great um, week it was, really enjoyable. Um, so if anyone ever gets a chance um, to go on a workshop with Guy Patterson, um, I did it, it was in Central St. Martins, he does them over the summer, I don't, I don't know if he if he teaches there in, in, in term time, but... Um, really worth um, looking at. I think he does. He does lots of stuff. I think he does wet plates and stuff as well. But we did some pinhole there. Sorry, I'm digressing. But yeah, pinhole. <laughs> you I love. I know. Digress, I Claire. I'm sorry. Yeah. I digress. <laughs> and um, then I woke and, up. Yeah, and then I woke up. But yeah, no, I love pinhole um, because um, I suppose it all links into things like my love of Diana cameras. It's got a similar <laughs> um, feel, but no pinhole. Yeah, it's got that lovely. Um, mysterious dreaminess that you can get from from it it has although i think in some ways it's it it definitely falls into the category of there's a big difference between well-used pinhole and just using pinhole for the sake of it and that's where i always struggle a little bit with my own pinhole photography because you see stuff and it's amazing and when the technique is used well to really make the most of the fact that you've got this incredible depth of field and that it can stretch time out so then you can get amazing results um Mm. but if you're just using it 
to take a fairly straightforward picture, all you're getting yeah. is a not terribly sharp, straightforward picture. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's fun. It's fun. You it's think great. you've made some in the past, John? Uh, yeah, I've done. Oh, what have I done? Made pinhouse out of cans and made one out of a bin, like a big metal bin. Mm-hmm. That was quite good fun with like, a roll of paper. Like I did, like um, what's it called? Like solar gram, but mm-hmm. like on a grand scale with that. Yeah, like say, so I, th- I think it's when you get the image right. It's like so many things, isn't it? It's like if the technique and the tools complement the subject or the feeling that you're trying to go for, then yeah. there can be real magic in it. Definitely, definitely. Um... And I, I, I don't say this person's name because I know I'm going to pronounce it wrong again. Is it Mr. Lottici? You know, the, the, the gentleman who used to make his own cameras, actually. And a lot of them were pinholes, didn't he? And he'd go around his um, his hometown taking uh, candid pictures of, of women, basically, and women swimming and women at the lake and women at the, swim, <laughs> the outdoor yeah. pool. <laughs> Not at all a dodgy guy. He's <laughs> <laughs> a bit of an outsider character, but his work's um, lovely. Yeah. Yeah, no, it certainly can bring something to it. It's, it's one of these things I always struggle a bit with is when you're using any technique. I mean, we talked a bit about it earlier with the brush strokes, with the developing, and, and there's so many things that fall in it, like using lomography cameras or lomography-type yeah, films and using yeah. using a pinhole, using whatever it might be. Th- that line between whether, whether the um, flaws that inevitably come in yeah. with these things are... are additive whether they're just a part of it or whether they are a crutch is i mean mm-hmm. there's not then there's not a straight line to, do, to draw at all but um it's it's interesting one and my my boys got taken i didn't take them but um the least took them to a sculpture park a modern art sculpture garden this is down yeah. in devon somewhere um on friday and i just it was hilarious. My youngest, in particular, Elliot, who's 12 now, I'm just getting these messages on Instagram from him going, what is this? Is this supposed <laughs> to be art? And he sent me some pictures. And I particularly love the fact that some of the pictures he sent me were just the titles of the things because he clearly thought that was the biggest nonsense of all. But um, the one of the pictures he sent me was of a stepladder leaning up against the head. Just said, oh, was this one of the pieces of art? I said, I don't know. <laughs> I, do, I have no idea. And then he sent me another picture of, um, I don't know if you've ever seen sort of the yellow, the, the orange barrier um, netting, like the sort of th- that you see around the edge of like construction yeah. sites and stuff like that, yeah, where people are digging holes and yeah. stuff. And yeah. there's a square of that. And he said, what, what do you think, what sculpture do you think that's protecting? I said, I don't know. He said, no, that was the sculpture, that piece of, that square of barrier. <laughs> and it's that thing of, I um am I missing something? <laughs> what John and I were having this conversation last week about what is art, which is not a conversation that we're going to start here because oh where do you go? <laughs> but sometimes you look at things. There were there was a picture that sent me, and um, I'm gonna I think the title is just uh, hang on a second, just um, let me bring this up because I would hate to get it wrong um, because it was it was apparently an award winning piece. Um, it was called. Uh, hang on. Oh, where 
where are we? Uh, not Untitled Pink Ribbon. I mean, Untitled Pink Ribbon has a title. It's Untitled Pink Ribbon. Uh, it wasn't Beyond the Outside, Don't Run Into Your Neighbours. It wasn't that one. There's one, again, I, uh, Elliot wasn't sure whether or not this was a piece of art. It was just a pink blanket lying on the ground. Is that art? We don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, where are we? Oh, 40 foot riveted beam. Now see if you can guess what this um, sculpture was. What's the title? Uh, 40 foot riveted beam. Yeah. I'm not going to lie, it does quite a lot of the work in letting you know. Um, it's just a piece of scrap 40 foot riveted beam just put on a plinth in the garden. Um, how <laughs> How do you get to decide that? I mean, I guess you get to decide by going, oh, this is art, this is a thing, it's art now, but... Um, Anyway, I digress. I can't remember what led to this point. <laughs> pinhole photography. Is pinhole photography sometimes the same as a 40-foot iron beam? Maybe. <laughs> um, it's all in how you use it, I guess. But I think you should have a go at making another pinhole camera, Claire. I said it's... Uh... Yeah, no, I think I should as well. Yeah. Have you got photographic paper at home? Yes, I have. I have, yeah. yeah I just need a, um, a tin, really, which I could uh, pick up and um, some spray paint. Yeah. Yeah, receptacle. No, I'm, I'm serious. I think I think I, I, I should do it maybe um, over the next couple of months, you know? Mm. Yeah. Because, like I said, especially if you're using paper and you've got, and you, there's loads of great tools online for working out the exposure times. But for the kind of stuff that you're doing, the fact that you can kind of set it in place and go, okay, this exposure time is going to be three minutes. Okay, well, I can wear for something reasonably bright and move to more than one yeah, position in that time. I've, I've mucked around with that. And um, Andrew Bartram has done his great series of um, hotel pinholes yeah, where I he's like sitting those. in different places. Uh, it's great. It's uh, fun stuff you can do with that. Um, and also you can just, as I did last year, make them really big. <laughs> Find the big enough yep. box. Um, and I made my 20 by 16 um, picture of the church, uh, which I then spilled fixer all over. So, you know, I need to go back and retry that at some point. <laughs> but I was so surprised that it worked and so unsurprised that I'd actually managed to ruin it in the process. But it's all good fun, isn't it? It's all good fun. That's your art, Graham. That's what it is. That is You're my just art. just expressing yourself through your imagery. It did look as though I had expressed myself all over that picture in a not terribly good way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, Ooh, yeah. Well, I think we're pretty much done here. Boy, has it gone all over the place this week. <laughs> I um, just want a very quick wrap-up to see, because I think maybe next week we might, if I can get organised, we might try and do Cheap Shots Challenge wrap-up. So quickly, Claire, yeah. how did your Cheap Shots Challenge <laughs> stuff go in the end? Um, if I'm honest, I thought it was a bit of a disaster. Um, so um, my I was doing mine on a Diana camera. So and I used um, yes, yeah, so a Diana camera. Um, and although I planned it, I hadn't believe it or not, I hadn't used my Diana camera for a long time. And um, so there were literally some shots where my head was chopped off. <laughs> um, and yeah so I was disappointed and then at the end I I, I don't know what I did, I did but I was when I was winding the film on you know manually it was it was really really tight and um I was struggling and then I hadn't wound it on properly so the last bit of the film I did have a feeling um I might have like lost the last couple of shots um 
but they were okay. You know, they were they were quite. There was a lot of light leaks over them. Um, so uh, overall, sorry, I'm digressing again. <laughs> overall, um, yeah. Overall, I was disappointed. Um, and I, believe it or not, I actually think that the images I took for the one hour challenge are probably better than the images I did for the cheap shot challenge. That's my opinion. Um, but there's still one or two that I like. Um, so we'll see. But overall, I thought I, I was quite disappointed. Um, and but you know because I know we differ on our views of Diana Cameron's Graham. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> I, I think they're a piece of rubbish. Where you yeah, you just I, described them. them as being a piece of rubbish. I love them, and um, I always have in my head, as I've said before, you know Nancy Rexroth's um, Iowa 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 series of images that she shot on the Diana. I thought that's for me. Oh, that's the that's like the benchmark of what you can do with a Diana camera. But I'm afraid I was about I was about the other end of the. <laughs> the spectrum so yeah but yeah are you going to use but having had this experience will you do you trust your diana to use it again yeah no it made me think i do need to uh, no i think it's like anything i think i just need to get using it again um so. do you think it's got more crap through lack of use <laughs> probably i think well <laughs> When you, when you, I think it's I'm at fault. It's probably it's it's the person. It's I brain myself rather than the uh -huh. camera. I think um, it's like anything, isn't it? When you're using whatever camera you're using, you're used to using. You just get used to um, the viewfinder, don't you? And any compensation that you have to yeah. make. And because I, I hadn't used it for so long, um, yeah, I think it was just literally like being out of practice with it, really. So I mean, the, the believe it or not. Mm. That, that, that I think yes I can see that the fact that the film wouldn't wind on properly and you were getting light leaks all over the show I'm not sure that that could directly be put down to user error maybe yeah. maybe but um I won't give up on it though. I, I do. I do hold a special place in my heart with for the Diana camera. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah. You got a Diana camera, John? That kind of thing appeal to you? No. <laughs> 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 Sounds fun, though. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe. Uh, John, how did you get on with your cheap shots challenge? <laughs> you know, it went really badly. For me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so when I developed the film from it, it came out completely black. The well, it was mm -hmm. just overexposed. A lot, like there were zero shots on it, and uh, I think I've worked out why. And it's a, it's a bizarre... So I, I had two of the rolls in the tank that developed fine. So mm -hmm. I know it wasn't the chemicals. And half an hour before the cheap shot shoot, I put another roll through the camera, which uh, was slide film. So I developed that in E6, and that yeah. came out fine. Okay. So I knew it wasn't the camera. Oh, okay. Um, I knew it, it must have been something to do with the film. And I think I worked out that I'd actually used the film during a workshop at some point to demonstrate how to load film onto a roll. Oh, no. And must have just put it back in my stash of films. That's explain it. Yeah. Brilliant. That's well done, John. That is a classic user error. That's good work. Uh, well, um, I'm very sorry to hear that. You. I did see you say that you did also take some pictures with your F6 on the day of the event. Oh, I, I took some with my Mamiya 7, so oh, like, okay, it was good. cheap shot slash premium. Yeah, so I've got, well... I've got, 10, I've got 10 frames out of the day. Okay, well, you have to share those pictures just so we can actually at least see all the work and effort that went into it, because I know... Was it yeah. your niece? 
Yeah, my niece. Your yeah. niece that did lots of work yeah. for it, just only for you to come That's along. Right. And in a very John Whitmore way, you didn't forget your lens this time, <laughs> but you did use a roll of film that you already exposed. Um, well, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, I developed my, I actually developed a few rolls of film this week. It's very exciting. Um, All right. One of which was my Cheap Shots roll. Um, I would say that the pictures came out. <laughs> Yeah. That's. Uh, I mean, well, <laughs> let's not go over the top here. Um, they are pretty uninspiring. You know, sometimes you take a picture and you think, "Ah, oh, I'm kind of really hoping that something pops from this." And you know, I, I, but no, there's just no feels at all with these pictures. Um, they're just, just boring. Um, but you know, such is life. Um, the camera, the camera did limit. What I wanted to do, and I say this, this uh, the Olympus IS-1000 has quite a lot of flexibility. You can put it in aperture priority, you can put it in full manual, you can manually focus, although it's fairly tortuous, you can do all of these things, but the slow lens on it is a, just a bit of a killer. Because um, I wanted to do some kind of, not exactly action shots, but some shots with some movement in. But even yeah. with 400 speed filming, with the lens open as wide as I could get it, um, the shutter speed was just too low to allow for anything like that. Um, so that really limited what I did. So yeah, I, I'm, the pictures are just kind of boring. I, I, also, I shot uh, using Fomapan 400, um, and I then developed that in HC110, and the results were okay. But um, yeah, this—I mean, the results are fine. The pictures are the problem. I'm not sure that <laughs> um, that the tonal quality is great on it, but it's it's okay. I, I know a lot of people are not. It's not generally a recommended combination. Those two, but they're all right. Um, mm. So that's pretty pretty. What were, you, what were you photographing? What was the subject? So what? Because. I am uh, lacking inspiration. Okay, well, I, I can only do this stuff at home. I had my boys this weekend, so I wanted. To, the, my original plan was I basically wanted to try and get some pictures of me visiting violence upon groceries. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was what I wanted to do, but because of the slow shutter speed, what it ended up being was scenes which kind of inferred violence. So. Uh, and I say scenes, I mean these are mostly close-up things. So like, there's a picture of an apple with an axe in it, but it's a very static shot, um, and so it just loses everything, because it was static. Um, uh, the only thing that was remotely fun I got to do, I did set fire to a roll of toilet paper, as previously mentioned. But, you know, even that was not quite as glorious as I'd hoped it would be, although <laughs> it was quite fun, um, just burning toilet paper and then hiding the evidence before Sinead got home. Um, but, you know, I was shooting on black and white film, so, uh, yeah, they're just... <laughs> is what they are. Um, <laughs> that's how they all turned out. Never mind, Um Never mind. They're better than yours. Next time. Next time. I did also develop a roller film. I might actually try and share some of the other pictures um, uh, from my F3, my Nikon F3, mm -hmm. from the photo walk. Do you remember, guys, do you remember photo walks? They were a oh, thing. Back they? in the, oh, God. Pre-lockdown. Pre back in the olden days. Back in, yeah. uh, I believe it was February, <laughs> the olden days, um, <laughs> when uh, I went for a photo walk. I believe, John, you were there, weren't you, the photo walk around Oxford? Uh, oh, that's good, yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Your um, your face isn't in any of these pictures, so they're all quite good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's because I didn't 
I've avoided you all day, Graham. Yeah, um, but just as is often the case of photo walks, it's mostly a picture of the people who I was there on the photo walks with. Um, what a handsome bunch they were. I've uh, got a lovely, actually, a, a nice picture of Karen, because uh, Karen's a delight. Nice picture of Karen in a woolly hat. There's pictures of NASA and Jeremy and oh, all of the lovely fine folks there. Um, but they came out right. That was shooting uh, Ilford HP5 pushed to 800. Um, and I definitely prefer the look of that. Although also it was a completely different camera as well. But I, I like. I think maybe because there's more grain and stuff like that. It just it that came out much nicer. I developed that at the same time. I also developed four sheets of film which are still hanging up on the drying thing because I haven't bothered digitising them yet because I can't be asked. Um, with that thought in mind, once a big uh, thank goodness and congratulations to our friend Hamish Gill, who oh, yeah. this Woo. week has started shipping out pixelated units to the early bird um, backers on Kickstarter. Um, well done, Hamish. Uh, I know mm-hmm. that it has been a long and arduous road to get here, but he did it. And um, I am really keen to get my hands on a pixelator because I think it's going to make life easier for a job that I do not like doing, which is digitizing my large format stuff. And um, although it's taken them a long time to get there, I think the product's going to be well worth it in the end. So well done, mate. Are you even be interested in one of those, John? Uh, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a great idea. Like I've got a flatbed scanner, so I do all my large formats oh that. yours does large format mine doesn't so yeah I, and they're really expensive to get ones that do so um but if i didn't have one i would definitely be interested in a pixelator i think it makes perfect sense if you've got a di- digital camera then you, you're good to go and it's a great workflow and it looks like it's been designed really well and yeah. for ease of use so yeah there's a reason it's taken so long to get to this point and it's because it's a a precision manufactured piece of kit and I think it's going to make a really useful addition to a lot of people's um, arsenal so well done Hamish um, so yeah that's where we're at with Cheap Shots Challenge stuff so we'll try and get that so John's got nothing <laughs> owing to being a boob Claire's got something that she's not thrilled with owing to uh, her terrible Diana camera and I've got some tedious crud owing to about being not very good at taking pictures so an exciting lineup of pictures look forward to seeing those next week when we put all those out um, and yes like I said I think we'll aim to get this show wrapped up or that show wrapped up and get a guest on to come and look at the pictures mm-hmm. for us and as I mentioned last week listen to the audio that our listeners sent in for that it should be good fun should be good fun these um these pictures on the HP5 are much nicer sometimes I do take pictures I like it happens um Right, let's get out of here before I get even more distracted by looking at my Lightroom library. Uh, Claire and John, thank you so much for joining me this evening. Listeners, you can get in touch with us as always at sunny16podcast at gmail.com. We need some more letters coming in. If, you, if you've been affected by any of the issues we've discussed in today's podcast, please do write in um, because the the mailbag has been getting a little bit light as everyone goes away on holiday and does fun stuff, which is why no backing paper this week. So um, please do write in to us and of course keep up with us on the socials. Um, you can find the podcast at sunny16podcast uh, on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, I know Matty's been doing some more work sharing lists this pictures if you uh, tag things uh, with the hashtag sunny16podcast or maybe even shoot film be nice I can't remember G- go with both cover your bets I know Matthew does share stuff from that um, fairly frequently so do that um, and uh, John you're at the dark shed yes on Twitter Instagram and YouTube and what's happening with YouTube this week 
Uh, nothing. I've gone. I'm going to monthly now. First Tuesdays <laughs> of every month, eight pm will be Dark Shed Live. Uh, there you go. But hang on. Excellent. Tuesday, eight pm. Okay. Um, you, First you... Tuesday of every month. Oh, good. Well, it's lucky we never record around that time, isn't it, John? Uh-huh. <laughs> it's <laughs> intentional. Uh-huh. Cool, cool. Uh, and Claire, you're at Claire Marie Bailey everywhere. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, Instagram, um, Twitter. Um, I do have a Flickr account as well. I still, I still hold a torch for Flickr, and um, yeah, and I've got my website. Yeah, which is ClaireMarieBailey.com, which Claire is where you Bailey. can go to to see the yeah. films we talked about earlier. Yeah, if you if you're interested in seeing the longer versions, they're on there. Yeah lovely stuff well listeners thank you so much for joining us as always uh, we will be back uh, again next week until then thank you very much for listening and goodbye night Nostar <laughs> goodbye <laughs>